Hello and welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast with me, Sophie Deer, where I chat to inspiring thinkers and leaders who will empower people like you and me to live a healthier and happier life. Welcome back to my Move and Inspire podcast. Today I have Julie Montague as my guest. Julie, I am so honoured that you found time to come on my podcast. You know that you are the teacher that got me into yoga. Julie's classes got me through a really tough time when I'd been signed off work and I would go religiously to like two or three classes a week and always leave feeling super, super inspired. So welcome, Julie. Oh, thank you, Sophie. It's so nice being here. And um, for everybody's listening, it was a real, as Sophie knows, she's been very patient with me getting everything set up <laughs> with, with my lighting, with my mics, with my technology. Um, so, but we've, we've made it. So, and it's been, it's been great. And it's so nice just to see you in Bali <laughs> with me in pouring rain, uh, United Kingdom. So um, we miss you here, but we're also... Uh, very, very envious, and envious in a good way that, that you're there with lots of sun, um, for sure. So thank you for having me. It's so, it's so nice to see you and chat. Oh, I know. It's so, so nice. I, I do really, really miss your classes, and it makes me think, like, I mean, not just because I'm in Bali, but because of, obviously, the current situation, but I remember... Um, queuing up, I'd get like there super early to try yoga, to queue up to your classes, to get in, because it was always like a, you know, a scramble to get a good spot. And like, yeah, your classes at Try Yoga, I actually just stumbled across them as well. I didn't know who you were before I just came across one of your classes and was like, I am hooked. Oh, that's so nice. I know those were the good old days. I mean, no, listen, we're still in, we're still in okay days, but I know the good old days of being mat to mat. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Being able to be one inch away from each other. But no, do you know, I reminisce about those days because obviously I've been teaching at Trioga and I still teach there through Zoom now, but um, I've been teaching there now for, gosh, coming up to nine years. I cannot even believe it, which is bonkers. But, um, and it, you know, but it's like with everything. And I think you know this, Sophie, because, you know, then uh, you did one of my courses as well, but it's, but you knowing this as a teacher, it's, you know, there's no immediate sort of growth. It's not like all of a sudden you become a yoga teacher and then you wake up the next day and your classes are being sold out left, right, and center. You know, it's, it's a lot of, of work, but we love it, so we work hard at it. I think that's the real difference with, between, between being a yoga teacher and maybe doing something that you're not satisfied in your current situation as far as your job goes. With yoga teachers, we, be, we become these teachers because we, we love the teachings, we, we love how yoga makes us feel, and we want to be able to pass this on to other people. Um, but as you know, I think I watched something which on your Instagram the other day, which was really important. And it is, it's becoming, you know, when I started over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it wasn't as saturated market as it is right now. And I remember, you know, you've got great tips for everybody out there and which is great because when I started 12 years ago, it, we didn't even have social media. So when I started teaching, there was no social media. I was flyering to in my local neighborhood in London to get people to go. And now times have changed. You know, the flyer has become Instagram, if you like. (laughs) 
Totally. And I remember actually you telling that story of how you would fly outside your kids' schools and then rent a church, church hall. And I actually um, started teaching just kind of before the, I would say, like the boom in London. And I, because of your story that you told me that you grafted that hard, I was like, because I, I, I was basically rejected from most yoga studios because they said, oh, you need three to five years teaching experience. So I went and hired a studio and, and flyered around Fulham and I did it because I was like Julie Montague did this so maybe I can do this and make it work and like it did work for me so I do think that story of yours is super empowering yeah and I think it you know and today obviously we don't have the you know we we don't have the church halls that we can go into now so you've become this yoga teacher. And I I look at it now and I think, oh my gosh, for people who are, and I I run teacher training courses, as you know, and people becoming, uh, and they're all online now, and people who are becoming teachers, they say to me, but how am I going to develop a community while, when everything's online right now? And I use the exact same thing, example that I used of the church hall and the flyering. Your Zoom or whatever you're using, your YouTube Live, or it, it can become a community in itself. But it's about being able to cultivate and create that community cleverly online. And it's about being, what are you doing online that's clever and that's different and that you've got your sort of unique selling point? Because things have shifted such an enormous amount for everybody around the world. But I know that, you know, we're talking about yoga here and, and with yoga teachings, you know, I've had to put all my, uh, my teacher trainings all a hundred percent online. Um, obviously we're all doing teaching online. You've got your move in, in inspire. Everything's online. So we've been able to, we, you know, we've had to really sort of navigate this online world, but it doesn't mean that you you can't create a community just like what I did in my church halls, just like what you did in your church halls, just like what I was doing in Tri-Yoga, because Tri-Yoga, that became a real community there. Not, not just the, necessarily the studio itself, which of course is a community, but your class becomes a community. People can create friendships out of that. And you can, in a sense, replicate almost the exact same thing through online, but you've got to be clever. And you probably, to be realistic, you do have to work maybe a little bit harder these days. Number one, this market is more saturated with yoga teachers, but also we've gone online. How do you reach those people? And it's thinking out of the box. I've had to do it, you know, in my, in this current situation. Yeah. And interestingly, I, um, I was really worried because I had such a lovely little community at the power yoga company when I left London and I was really worried that I wouldn't be able to build that online. And, um, I actually think that online I've got a more powerful community. It's really interesting. And I've, I heard, um, something where Jason Crandall was saying he actually feels like it's easier to teach online because on zoom you've got people's names and you can really see and and even though we're not um physically adjusting you you can see a lot if if someone's got their camera in a good place and you've got their name so you can be like paula left hand press through the knuckles a little bit more and people really love that um that connection of actually saying their name so i do think in a way even though this situation has been really difficult for yoga teachers, there is such a chance to, to yeah, create a great community online. Yeah, 
There really is, and I think, like you, it's, it, it, you know, obviously I still teach online through uh, Tri-Yoga, but just once a week now, but I've created my own community, and, and we can talk about that a little bit later, about, about how to create those communities, but I've created my own community, and, and I don't, but funny enough, interestingly enough, I don't do Zoom, Sophie, so... Um, I actually do YouTube Live. And people ask me all the time, like, why do you do YouTube Live? Because you can't see the person on the other end of the screen. And for me personally, when this pandemic started, and, and I'm going to kind of move into sort of building your online community. When this pandemic started almost a year ago, everybody was moving to Zoom, and which is a great platform. Uh, and But I decided in the back of my head, I thought, okay, I'm going to do... Um, YouTube live so that I can do it live. Now I can't see the person, but everybody can chat to me through the chat bar, right? Just like they can do through Zoom. You can chat, but I can't see the person. But I've also really noticed that I think for me, part of my community is a little bit older. So they have children. So they're homeschooling their children. They don't necessarily want their cameras on because you know they're being pulled away. They don't want to feel... So I think it goes both ways. And I'm sure you've seen it on Zoom as well, Sophie. Some people will have their cameras on. Some people will have their cameras off. For me, I did the YouTube Live. No cameras are on. And and it was... At the beginning, at the beginning it was really for my own sort of personal gain. And I'll tell you why in a second. But again, the, my demographic, I think, of the people who come to my class are older. And they are... They usually do have have a family. And so having the camera on, it, it, in, in one sense, it can almost make you feel guilty if you have the camera on and then you have to go away and do your kids, help do fractions with your kids for a quick sec. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, I've just left my mat. And so I think, but but personally for me, I knew at the beginning, and, and I mean, there's no right or wrong answer, of course, uh, or right or wrong way to do it. But at the beginning, I wanted to record all of my classes to create an on-demand library. I knew where I was going with it. So YouTube Live, when you do it live, it literally records the class for you. And you have to do, because no one, you, you can't see anybody. I do the whole class with my community. So I'm when I'm teaching, I'm doing literally the entire class as if I was teaching it on YouTube. And so then it retains, in a sense, it records a copy, and that became that my on-demand library. So when I decided to launch my sort of subscription membership platform in September of 2020, I had already over 100 classes that were already um, recorded, and all I had to do was top and tail the beginning and the ends of them, so just go into basically... Uh, you, you know, your movie editor, top and tail them, and then um, I could re-upload them to Vimeo or to YouTube or really to the on-demand library. That's what, I was, that's what I was doing. So there's so many clever ways that people can create content and create a community, and it's really, you've got to decide what's the right one for you. Do, have I been able to create a community on YouTube Live Absolutely, but I've done it through my subscription membership service, which I'm sure you've done the exact same way. Whether it's Zoom or YouTube Live, you're still creating this community because we can now offer these subscription sort of community membership um, package. I don't want to call it a package, but it's a community. It's a subscription community, really. Yeah, I think um, 
I think it's great, whichever way you can do it. And, and also something I definitely learned from you was about, as you said, be really clever with your content. Like if you're filming a live class, record it so that you can put it up on your channel because I do exactly the same. And someone can do it in their own time and not having to be there for the live class. And it's like re repeating your content as much as possible is like a huge tip that I'm trying to give newer yoga teachers at the moment. Yeah. It's really reusing content, and I think it's it's reusing content. That's the big thing. If you record something, you need to reuse that content, whether you can speed it up and put it on your Instagram, whether you can take a bit of it out and put it on your Facebook page, whether you can somehow cleverly chop it so you can make it into a 30-minute class. Like, that hour class can be used for so much for in like five different ways of content. And it's looking at how you can reuse that one hour class and break it apart and reuse that content because we can do that now. And that's what's so incredible about the, the, the tools that we have, but it is taking the time to learn the tools, learn the editing tools, learn the lighting as we've got, as Sophie now knows from my setup this morning, you know, my husband came in and set up the lighting because the lighting was bad. You know, I had to, you know, I'm borrowing my son's AirPods right now, but you know, I know how to use them. <laughs> it just takes me a little bit longer. <laughs> And it's the same with this. So my first season of my podcast, I was just um, recording um, uh, audio. And then someone said to me, why aren't you filming them? And I was like, oh, maybe I should be doing that. And so I'm now filming them so I can have them on YouTube and then I can cut them together for Instagram. Yeah. And, and it just, again, it brings you, you're able to give more value from exactly the same thing. So yeah, it's like finding all these clever ways. It's, right. <laughs> less it's effort. Fi it's finding all these clever ways. Exactly, less effort. And it's finding all these clever ways to use the content, not as a one-off, but over and over again. And I think, you know, I, it, and that is so important in, in today's world. And, but also going back to what you've cleverly done, you know, what I've done, what a lot of yoga teachers have done, but even for new yoga teachers out there, you know, that question of, but how do I create a, a community? Create a community by being in constant contact with the people who are coming to your classes. I can, I can tell you, hand on my heart, and I think this is probably one of my biggest takeaways to anybody out there listening to this, is that your community will... Now, I cannot stress this enough, will not come from the amount of followers you have on Instagram. So if you're thinking that right now, I'm asking you just to absolutely put that into the rubbish bin and know that that is not true. You're, the, and I can tell you this, I do have a lot of followers, but I can tell you hand on heart that the community that I've built through my membership and subscription base, and I'm sure it's the same for you as well, Sophie, has not been from people seeing me on Instagram and then being like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna subscribe to her, to her membership or I'm gonna do her teacher training. No way, like I'll get a couple, don't get me wrong, but the community that I've created online has come from hands down 100% word of mouth, absolutely. So my, my takeaway for anybody is get a couple people to your classes have them and if they like if they're if they keep coming back that's your community 
they can then spread the word to their neighbors or to you know the the people on their on their class in their kids' classrooms, the parents in their kids' Zoom classrooms. It literally be is word of mouth. I the community that I've created, the majority of them, and I mean majority, probably ninety five percent of them, Sophie, have come through word of mouth. I got an email yesterday saying, "Hi, it's so and so from Switzerland." My sister has been doing your online classes since lockdown started in March. She kept telling me to join. She did one class and then she subscribed to my membership community. But it's through word of mouth. And that is going to be your best, in my view, your best way to create the community. So for the community that you already have, whether it's one or two people, I, it doesn't matter. What are you doing for those one or two people? What content are you giving them? What Are you giving them a, a meditation? What's your unique, I hate to, I don't hate to use it because I use it all the time, your USP. What makes you different from Sophie or from Julie? What do you have to offer? And then continue to offer that rather than saying, oh, I should be doing this because that person on Instagram does, uh, I should be doing 8,000 handstands and posting 8,000 handstands on Instagram because that gets a lot of likes and that person's doing it and they must be getting lots of people to their classes. I mean, I can do a handstand, no problem, but it's rarely ever on my Instagram because I, A, I don't feel that, I kind of need to do that. B, that's not really what my classes are about. If you wanna go up and do a handstand in your class, in my class, go ahead. I'm not necessarily teaching handstands in my, in fact, I'm not teaching handstands in my class. Um, I can recommend people, but I just think, make sure that you're authentic to what you want to teach. I know that if people in my class want to do some more advanced things, they can do it. I, they're in their own house <laughs> on their own screen and they can whip it up in, into their hands and themselves. But what I want to do is I want to teach a good, a really good class that has the elements that are close to my heart. So energy. Yeah, for me, I, I, I have a lot of energy. So I know my classes are very, very energetic. I'm never going to sway away from that. The second I start going into into poses that I know my community necessarily isn't really looking for, I've gone away from authentically what I what I want to teach, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's, um, uh, that authenticity with any teacher will always really shine through and it will be what, what brings people back. Like I, because when I came to yoga, I, the stereotype I had in my head was like, chanting and stretching and then I came to your class and you were there being like so energetic and talking about your four kids and then like reading an interesting blog at the beginning which was like an amazing life lesson which always weirdly would always work really well with what I was working on in therapy at the time and then you were being really honest about the difficulties you had had and, and it just blew my mind and I think yeah that that truth that authenticity is is going to be what what keeps pulling people back for sure um it is in, and, and, and note, i think it, yeah i was just going to say on that note because i obviously know like what brought you 
to yoga, but I'd love you to just explain a little bit about that story. Yeah. So it's, do you know, I mean, listen, it's like been so long. It's like well over a decade now. And as you mentioned, I've got four kids um, and they, you know, they're all much older now from when I first started yoga. I mean, when I first started teaching yoga, I was talking about my son who was four years old. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Now he's, you know, he's properly a teenager, you know, in secondary school. So um, and people remember stories about 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 my youngest, um, just funny stories. But I would bring them in, and and I, I would bring in my own life experiences. So you know, I wasn't, sh- I, I you know, I'm very careful with the line that I wanted to draw as far as the boundaries of, of going way too personal into some details in my life and being able to share some of the difficulties I went to, I went through. So I think, you know, my husband, this is, you know, my husband was ill, uh, for a long, long time. Um, a really long time. I'm talking years. And I think that then shaped, uh, really the path that I'm on now and the path that we're both on together and the path and how we've raised our children with uh, making sure that uh, we, you know, have brought the value of compassion into our home so they could feel that and, and also know that that's obviously for us one of the most important values out there is, is compassion. And I think me being able to open up to my students about what I was going through at the time was relatable and what I'm going through and and right now, but things shift like right now, what I'm going through now in particular, not just the pandemic, but my kids are getting older. It's heartbreaking to me. So being able to even share something like that with my online community saying, I am, you know, I do have days that I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got, you know, a 22-year-old. And it, and it and that is heartbreaking when your kids get older and that's not very much talked about. So I think it's looking at what you're going through now and if you're willing to open up about it in in the way that you want to open up about it. So and that brings me back to I think how and this is what I kind of want to really get across is as a yoga teacher, or if you're on Instagram and you're developing your community, it's making sure that you're opening up because you want to and not because you think it's going to get the amount of likes. So, and that's, I, I, I even I tell the, my students that in, through my, uh, in my teacher training program, that it's to really sit down with yourself and have that conversation and ask yourself, what do I want to reveal in my community and online, how much of it and what do I want to hold back? So I'm very careful, Sophie, you know about, I don't post photos of my kids on Instagram. So once a year, because I get permission, I've never posted photos of my kids on Instagram. I made that decision seven years ago when I had it, more than that in 2013. I don't, I love it. I love other people who post pictures of their kids. I like them all. They're super cute. I wish I had little babies right now or little kids. But for me personally, that was a line that my husband and I drew. We just didn't want our kids on social media. So you've got to make decisions like that. You have to make decisions of how much of your personal life do you want to put out there and how much do you want to hold back? So yes, of course, I you know, am able to share 
and my husband shares because he's set up an amazing amazing charity about you know uh, about to help others about what he went through. But he was you know ill for the, those many years. Now, did I get into the specifics around it? No. So I drew the line there. But I went through something quite harrowing, and so did he. So it's for me. Anybody listening to this, it's. I really can't stress enough to for you to make the decision, and you may want to be that person that tells everybody your entire life story and putting it out there. And I'm sure that will help people. For us personally, and when I say us, I mean me as my as my family. I'm very careful about what I put out there and what I don't put out there. Does that make sense? And I that, and you have to do it personally for you. I'm sure that if I were to post tons of pictures of my kids, I would get thousands and thousands of likes on that because I've seen it before, but I choose not to because they're my kids and I, I don't want people saving the photos of my kids and having my kids go to school and somebody pulling up my Instagram account and saying, we just saw you on, so and that will happen. It, it could happen. I don't say it will, and it could happen. I don't, I want them to have their own life. That, that was a decision I made personally for myself. Yeah, and I think it's also about like um, timing as well. I, a lot of people have pushed me on Instagram like, oh, you're in Bali. What about your husband? And it's taken me a really long time. I still haven't even really properly said it on Instagram about our separation. And um, I talk about it in more like intimate um like workshops or um, with my channel or I've just only this past couple of episodes that I've recorded talked about separation and divorce and that's just because for me it's taken a lot of time to be okay with starting to talk about that and I'm like we're now like 14 15 months from when we separated so yeah I think I totally totally understand what you're saying yeah, and I think it's, and that's the thing, it, it, it does take time, and I think it's just, it's just what you, you know, what you want to put out there, and when you want to put it out, and how you want to put out. I mean, remember, there's, for me, like I said, I love looking on Instagram at other people's kids' photos. I'm like, oh my god, it's so cute. It's just something that we chose not to do. Do you know what I mean? And like what you said, for me, and you know, you know, way back when, when my husband wasn't well, exactly the same thing. In my workshops, when I'm in a closer community and I know my students and I can share that, I did share more intimate, de- intimate there. But when you're on a platform with thousands of people following you and you have no idea who's behind the screen, you got to think. For me, I had to think very hard about that on what I want to share with those people who I actually don't know, I haven't seen them face to face, whether it's through a screen or if it's in my yoga class. So it's about creating boundaries, I think, for different areas in which you are embarking on, whether it's your membership community, probably you'll share a lot more, I do, or if it's on Instagram on a platform that you don't really know who's behind the screen. You might know some of them, of course you do, but not all of them. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, uh, in terms of like the all the other bits and bobs you're doing, because like when you are probably the most busy yoga teacher I know. Um, what's <laughs> like what what do you want to talk about first? I'm like we could literally talk about so many different things, but 
I mean, yeah. I know. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) No, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short and sweet, everybody. I won't bore anybody. Um, I I wish I wasn't the busiest yoga teacher, but I, but I, but I think, do you know, one of the things, Sophie, and and you and I've talked about this before when you've come to, you know, uh, one of my trainings and, and things like that. And it is, it's about, it's about yoga can open up so many different doors. So we become yoga teachers and we're, we're on that course, we're on that path to teach yoga and to give this gift of yoga to others and to continue to give it to ourselves. And, but with that, the, the longer you're on that path, the more that doors can really open up. So for me personally, you know, obviously doing lots of workshops um, has led to public speaking and being very confident in public speaking. And of course, teaching classes gives you the confidence to, to teach in front of people and to speak in front of people. So I think the biggest thing for me was obviously that has rolled into presenting. So, uh, and you know, this could be anybody listening to this, you know, having the confidence to teach and to speak in front of people can lead to public speaking roles, to being an expert in your field, to going on those morning programs or podcasts or radios or whatever it is to speak. And so for me, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to to land uh, a TV presenting role um, on nothing to do with yoga, but uh, to do with historic houses. I'm, I'm sitting in one right now. You can probably see this this mantle right here, which is 400 years old. I can see the date up there, 1604, because I I live in one, so I'm quite passionate about, uh, as an American, the history that the UK has. And from that, uh, I was able to uh, randomly, not randomly, but um, get a presenting role for a TV series called An American Aristocrat. And I luckily get to go around the United Kingdom and film at some of the most extraordinary homes in the United Kingdom, but how they've really transformed themselves in the 21st century. Uh, And, you know, it's not like what it was even 100 years ago, where you've got butlers and maids and cooks and um, and footmen like Downton Abbey vibes that just doesn't exist anymore. These, these homeowners have this real burden now to keep these homes commercially viable um, because if they don't, the, you know, it gets sold to somebody who doesn't have that attachment and can't tell the stories like the homeowners can tell the stories. You know, my in-laws, the Earl and Countess of Sandwich, can, they're the only people who can tell these stories of their ancestors. And of course we can because they're passing it on to us. So this TV series, uh, I go around the house, I meet these different houses, extraordinary homes, and I've been lucky enough in the middle of a pandemic, um, it, it aired in America and over here and it did really well. So uh, we were recommissioned, thank goodness, for a second season. So luckily I start filming again in April um, on to, and I'll go to other homes as well. So I think for anybody out there listening, and especially if you're a yoga teacher, like this, yes, I've got, I've got a passion in his, in history because probably because it helped that I married into a very historical family, the Montague family, but, but, but I wouldn't have gotten the presenting job. They could have picked anybody, right? They could have picked anybody to to do and present this job. It's public speaking has definitely helped me land a role like this. It's not like I was was the only one up for this job. You know, there were other people that they were looking at for this presenting job. So 
I, I think it's finding yoga can give anybody so many opportunities for other things. And, 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 and it is definitely, I attribute my public speaking ability to yoga 100%. Yeah, it's so cool that so many different opportunities can come from yoga and because it's just about um, on, on a, like a, a different direction. It's just I, I keep saying that like yoga is about getting better at life. So now I'm kind of going off into different avenues as well. And um, yeah, it just presents so many opportunities. So I think it's so cool that you got um, that opportunity to to present. With um with TV, I want to ask you about TV because obviously I used yeah, to I work know. in TV, <laughs> but I yeah. worked in quite a different um like type of TV. So I worked in TV dramas, and I is your, what what is yours called? Like a documentary or reality? Yeah. what's it? So it's do- it's a docu- it's a documentary. So it's a documentary. So yeah. So I'm the presenter, and then we I I meet with different. I meet with the homeowners, obviously. Um, but then I meet with different experts, whether it's on the Icon Basilica, which was Charles uh, I's autobiography when he was imprisoned, um, to, uh, to, to super fun things like steam engines. I know that, but steam engines, learning more about cricket um, and even like gardening. So, I mean, I, have my, I promise you, my knowledge on sort of uh, anything English and the country house has like gone up massive amounts of level but but yeah so but it's a full-on I mean the days are long it's not glamorous no and (laughs) that's exactly right and I know that you and I've had this conversation before because I know that you were working really long days and for me Sophie it's like I can't even describe it it's like you're it's like you're in this bubble and you I wake up for hair and makeup at 6 a.m. I'm on scene, my first scene. I'm being picked up to go to my first scene. Obviously, I'm staying in a hotel, but picked up around 7.30. I'm on set. I'm filming by 8, 8.15. These are 12-hour days. You know, I mean, 12, and I'm the presenter. So I'm in every single scene, every wide, every close-up, every drone, every, oh, my gosh. So it was a real challenge at first. When I, when I started filming, uh, season one, I remember texting my husband before the first scene, literally before the first scene. We kept all these text messages and I said, I'm so nervous. And I said, I'm the wrong person for this girl, they, or for this role. They picked the wrong person. You need to come and pick me up right now. I'm just going to tell them that I quit. You know, because it. I've never had a presenting job before. And then I did the first scene and, you know, two and a half hours later, because each scene, each five minute segment is two, you film for two and a half hours to get five minutes. And that is true. And, and, but they are long days, but I absolutely have to say, I love it because I love public speaking. I love this role. And it also gives me an opportunity in the nicest possible way to, switch off from the yoga world that I've been immersed in for over 12 years. And that kind of goes back to this yoga teacher burnout. You know, if you're constantly teaching all of the time and you're, you don't have any, another outlet, you're going to get burnt out. So it's allowing yoga to work through you to help you find sort of those niches that you are drawn to and then creating something from that because that can become an outlet from the constant teaching of the yoga classes, which of course we love, but we can't, we got to be honest here. 
you teach so many, you can get burnt out. Yeah, totally. And, and um, it's going slightly off track, but we've spoken a lot about diversifying your offering because if you are just teaching, let's say now, the regular Zoom online class and you're doing 25 of them a week, you're going to be knackered, you're going to burn out and you're not going to make enough money to sustain a life, let's say, in London. So you have to think about how you can diversify your offering. And your teacher training like really, really helped me with that. What was your, was, it was called, um, man, was it Mandala and I'm trying mentoring. to what the yeah, name so of the training was. Yeah, so we just shorten it. We just call it Mandala and Mentoring. So you learn how to sequence 360 around the mat. And, um, and then I do a how to, what I call how to build your yoga brand. So it's how to build your yoga brand. And it's really, and we've had to change it, obviously, this year a little bit, but um, to make it much more online focused. So looking at things of how to build your membership subscription base. Do you need to, you know, I use something personally called Patreon uh, that helps me build my membership. That might not be right for everybody, but looking at ways that you can build your online community and of course your, your online offering, but not forgetting about how important, as you and I talked at the very beginning, your local community. So even in this day and age where we are indoors much more and everything is through the screen, you're still, you still have a local community, whether it's your local village, your local town, your local city. It doesn't mean you can't get out there and be in on the local radio station or in the local paper or in the local magazine. And I always tell people, yes, things have gone online, but don't forget about traditional media. It doesn't mean being in, you know, the Evening Standard or the Times. You're probably better off being in one of your local papers because you'll get more people interested in you because they're like, oh, she or he is a local gal or guy. Rather than reading in the Times, nobody can really connect to you. Where is Dorset? Where is, do you know what I mean? Whereas I do something for in Dorset, they're like, oh, it's, an, it's a Dorset gal. Yeah? Yeah, totally. Um, and with um, that mentorship as well, something that I really learned because I'm starting to mentor um, new teachers as well. Yeah. Something that I felt like you just completely gave everything. Like you, you told us all your tips and tricks. Like there was no, you know, like some people say to me, oh, um, do, do you feel like uh, there's a lot of comparison within the industry? And I'm like, for me, no, because I feel like we're all different people. There's a space for all of us. So I don't mind to give like everything up to explain everything I do because we're all going to do it uniquely and differently. But that was something that I, and it's just testament to your character as well because I think I feel like you do that in, a, in like lots of areas of what you offer, but just completely like laying everything on the plate, being like, this is how I do it and take it all, you know? Yeah. I know. I mean, we went, yeah, we went into YouTube. We went into like the, 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 the nuts and bolts of YouTube and your keywords and your end titles and making sure your thumbnail that you create has the right JPEG name. You know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but if you want people to find your YouTube channel, your thumbnail, the name of the thumbnail needs to be the same of, of if it's Mandala Vinyasa Flow, that thumbnail needs to be called Mandala Vinyasa Flow. It's little things like that. And, and, and I want to be able to share what I've, because like, like you, Sophie, I, I don't feel in competition with anybody because 
who can I, I'm my own unique person. You're your own unique person. And we are all yogis. So we need to be able to share our offering. And I, I am a firm, I'm a massive believer. Um, Sophie, and you know, this is, is honestly, I, I mean, a huge believer that if you are the type of person that isn't honest, doesn't, doesn't give it out, is competent, is competition, is worried about if you're giving too much, if, um, if that person's going to do better than you, it's going to be very hard for you to succeed. If you're open and honest and truthful and you have compassion and you want to help others with a genuine heart, good things are going to happen to you. I, I cannot stress that enough. Give it all, right? That's what we should be giving and let people take what they, me as a teacher and a teacher to obviously students, but a teacher to other teachers, I want them to succeed. I want to give them everything I've learned, the mistakes that I've made so that they can succeed, but they can also do it their own way and and figure it out. But I also know that when I do that with a genuine heart of wanting to help others, I've learned and I know that only good things can come to me because I've been honest and truthful and authentic and I have a heart that I want to help people. I, you know, I, and competition for me is just, you know, I'm too old for that probably. Anyway, <laughs> I love that. With um, One of the things that I feel like you put out a lot is to do with self-love and self-care. And I know a lot of people find those words like incredibly wishy-washy. And um, I think actually you were probably someone who really explained to me what that was. Because in my world of TV, I had no self-love or self-care at all. Um, And you explained it in such simple ways, like things like just taking a minute to do a forward fold or waking up a minute earlier to have your legs up the wall. But yeah, I'd love you to explain a little bit around that. And um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, especially now that we're all, well, it, it, most of us around the world, it, it, we have some type of, um, you know, there's some some type of boundary going on. So we, you know, whether we have to wear a mask or we can't get out of our home really apart from essential shopping, things like that. So I think self-care now is more important than it's ever been. But it doesn't mean you have to carve out an hour and a half for a yoga class, especially if you're homeschooling your kids. Um, so it's really important. And like, it's what we talked about, what I always talk about, like put yourself in a forward fold while you're frying up the onions, right? Onions take about two minutes to fry up. Put yourself in a forward fold, get the head below the heart. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it actually makes a huge difference. And yes, we might go to bed feeling exhausted and we may not be able to journal, but I'm pretty sure we can probably give ourselves a nice bath, even if it's four or five minutes. For me, it's with four kids, uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, I've had four kids, think about it, I've got a 22-year-old. So I've had kids around me now for 22 years and finding those little crevices throughout the day of being able to just switch off for two minutes. And I don't mean switch off of like just sort of collapse anywhere because what happens is if you just collapse on your sofa, your mind is going to start thinking of all the other things you have to do, what's happening in the future, what happens. You you have to do something mindfully. So 
flopping on your sofa for two minutes, putting your feet up, if you're not doing a mindful activity there, you're gonna start, your mind is gonna start to wander. So I don't mind people flopping on the sofa, but do a breathing exercise while you're doing it. Listen to a five minute meditation while you're doing it. Open up an inspirational book while you're doing it. You gotta be able to switch your mind off from the future and the past to get yourself into the present moment. So that's what I always tell people. Well, they say I don't have enough time and I'll say to them, what did you, did you even sit down today? Well, I did for two minutes. What did you do? Well, I just sat there and I thought about the things that I have to get done. No, sit down and do something mindfully, a breathing exercise, whether it's five rounds of making your exhale longer than your inhale. Do you know, inhale for four, exhale for six. You do that five times, you're at 50 seconds. That's a minute, boom, you're done. You'll feel much better. I love it because it's just such simple, um, accessible, manageable ways. I mean, I don't have kids, but the you know the amount of mums out there who I'm sure have really, really like yeah taken so much from realizing that they could just have a couple of minutes to themselves doing something so yeah. simple. And um, because you give out so much of this. Um, wonderful advice and you are like all the little stories you tell at the beginning and the end of class I always find them so inspirational um it I've seen you after class people like hoard around you and they want to they want a bit of you they all want a bit of Julie and they all want to um get your advice on this and that and so on and something you shared um on our training, uh, I'd love you just to talk a bit about, because I think uh, I've, I struggled with this, so it really hit home. You talked about how um, it's hard to put in those boundaries with people sometimes. And um, I think you, you, well, you went to see Carolyn Cowan, yeah. who gave you some advice on this. I'd love you just to talk through that. Yeah, yeah it was, do you know, I was really you know, as you know, Sophie, I was teaching classes that were that were packed with people. You know, my Sunday night class would get 80. Sometimes people would sneak in. We'd have 85 there. Don't even ask how that happened. <laughs> so probably not uh, good for health and safety. But um, but um, um, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, we had the right numbers, but then people would sneak in. Um, so and after class, you know, I needed to get home and see my kids, you know, because they had school the next day. I had to get home and I would I would have sort of a queue of people wanting to get advice or whatever it was, which is lovely and wonderful. But I, I was spending 30 minutes after my class ended to get through all of these questions or advice or whatever it was. And because yoga, as we know, brings up a whole bunch of things for people. So people would get emotional and, and, and it was, you know, we, we aren't therapists, but sometimes just a good old hug, um, can, can at least help a little bit. But I was finding myself after my classes, just being absolutely sort of exhausted with, with as far as energy, I felt like all my energy was sort of taken away or put, I, I gave it away. It's not like they, t I gave it away. It's not like they were taking it from me. I chose to give it away. And then I would come home to my kids and I really wouldn't have a lot to give to them. So it was me understanding that it was me who was giving it away. They weren't taking it from me. I was giving it to them. And so I, I, I met with Carolyn Cowan, who's a brilliant Kundalini teacher, but also she's a therapist. She's absolutely fantastic. And it was about, she really mentored me for about six weeks. It was about setting boundaries on me. Like, 
I didn't want to give that much energy or really any, I just gave my energy. The point was, what she taught me was, you just taught for an hour and a half or an hour. You have given your energy to everybody else. You're done. You're, you're done teaching your class now and you need to go home. And you're not there, you're not being paid or, uh, and not, not that money has to do anything to you, but you know what I'm saying, I'm using that loosely, but you're not being paid to stay for an extra 30 minutes to continue teaching or to continue giving your energy away. You have just given them an hour and a half of your energy, you need to then leave. And so one of the things, it was great that she taught me was to, um, uh, was to, as soon as I end Shavasana, was to just start to walk out the class. So, and that's exactly what I would do. I would just end Shavasana, pack up my stuff and leave the class. And people would, some people would start to follow me, but you just keep walking and you can keep having, in a sense, light conversations because by the time you're out in the public space, no one's really gonna open up to you too much. Do you see what I mean? If I stayed back in that room, everybody's leaving, but the people who are staying, it, it, you can get stuck there. You can get stuck in that corner. You can't leave, yeah? So, and this isn't anybody's fault but my own. So I learned just to start to leave the class. And what that opened up was just light conversations, people saying that they enjoyed the class. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I would say, thank you back. I've got to get back to my kids now. I've got to get back to my kids. So I was setting the boundary for others by saying, I've got to get back to my kids. And even when somebody would come up to me like, is there any way I could talk to you for five minutes? Five minutes, by the way, as we know, is never five minutes. Do you know what I mean? Five minutes, that's just a loosely, uh, it's a loose term that usually would end up being 15, 20 minutes. So I would just say, I'm really sorry. I don't even have five minutes. I need to go home and see my kids. And it was liberating. It was just liberating. And that was the boundary that I needed to set. And life became a lot easier on, uh, you know, on those Sunday nights when I was teaching those, those packed out classes. I think I remember, and correct me if I got this wrong, um, you, the way you also phrased it was like, if someone said, um, can I have five minutes of your time and you'd say something like I'm really sorry but by giving you five minutes I'm taking away five minutes from my kids but yeah. what I can do because it's very you you were like what I can do is give you a hug you know yeah. and that was like your way of being like doing something that's yep. lovely and supportive but also like again putting in your boundary yep that's right and I learned that from Carolyn Cowan so do you know what I mean she was like what can you give them if you want to hug them hug them but that's your that's the, what you're giving them and then you're walking away so it was great. Um, I want to know, um, because you are someone who is uh, inspiring a lot of people, who inspires you? So, do you know, I, gosh, do you know there's so many people who inspire me now, especially in, over in, the, in sort of the past couple of, of weeks. I, you know, and I... I I know that I am going to say it because it's true. I think as an American, somebody who's watched this these past four years and without getting political, I'm not, I'm not going to go there, obviously, but um, I think Kamala Harris is somebody who definitely uh, has inspired me and I think has inspired, you know, millions across the globe of somebody who shows you 
whether whatever your your skin color is, but it shows you that no matter what, you work hard, you believe, and you fight for the causes that you believe in, you can do anything. So I think, uh, you know, Kamala as a woman, uh, in particular, the first woman vice president of the United States, the first woman of color, uh, in to even you know even holds that that esteemed uh, vice president office is uh, pretty spectacular, and I think it it's somebody that I definitely look up to. Uh, I think uh, you know again it go it's it been such a political year, but I think Stacey Abrams in and I don't know if you know her, but in Georgia, oh my goodness, Stacey Abrams is a hero. Uh, a, a fighter and and somebody who's so passionate about her beliefs. So I use these two examples, not because I do. I, I've really been touched by both of them. Of some, both of them, really believing in their message and believing so much in their message that they worked very hard to make sure that this this message was able to. It sort of filtrate around them. And it's it's like what we talked about earlier, word of mouth. Your best form of, of inspiring people is word of mouth, going from door to door. And I use that in the going from door to door rather than everything does not happen through a screen. The connections are made, yeah, through your community that you're creating. And both of these women, to me, have, have created you know, an, an extraordinary, um, you know, an, an, an extraordinary community. So I think, yeah, I, I think the, the both of them in, t- in today's world, um, they have really, you know, shined an incredible, you know, an absolutely incredible beacon for um, really for the rest of us. Well, it sort of reminds me of you, Julie, because like the hard grafting, you've definitely done so much of that. And then being like, um, you know, really uh, your message, I think, is is loud and clear. And it's why people keep coming back to you. Well, thank you, Sophie. It's just, I mean, no, it's just um, thank you. And I'm so glad we were able to have this chat. I was so happy when you asked me to be on your podcast because, I mean, listen, you know, and remind everybody who's listening, Sophie used to assist in my classes um, at Tri-Yoga as well. You were my first, I mean, that is years ago for those packed classes. I remember you just being like, can I assist for you? I'm like, sure. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. So yeah. It's one of those things as well. It's like, if you don't ask, you don't get. I remember literally being, you were like my, you know, just everything. Like I, my husband used to joke like, are you, are you, um, are you going to your uh, yoga class with your with your crush? Because I just talk about you so much, <laughs> and like it, it, I remember being like, I'm so nervous to go and speak to Julie to ask her if I can um, be an assistant. I probably would like come up at the end and then be like, No, I can't do it. And then I finally did it, and you were like, Yeah, sure, just speak to whoever, and it was so easy. Exactly, and it's, yeah. The same as this podcast, I was like, oh, I want to ask Julie, I want to ask Julie. And in my head, I was like, no, she's going to be too busy for me, too busy. And straight away, you were like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Well, do you know what? And that's the thing. Also, you know, I think it's, you know, um, 
before my iPod, my, my iPods die. But I think it's the, the other thing is is if you, what you just said, if you don't ask, and you people will say no. Do you know what I mean? Like people will say no, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're saying no to you. They might be saying no to the time of the time of the year, or the time of day. It's just not working for them now. So I always tell people, if people say no to you, please don't take it personally. It's just right now, it's not going to work out for them. But it is also asking, like you know, asking and. And, and do I say yes to everything? No, but do I say yes to people that, you know, I look up to Sophie, I think you're doing a fantastic job on the community that you've, that you've created and your journey, being able to watch your journey has been a real pleasure and highlight for me on everything that you've done. So I, you know, saying yes to people that I look up to, that I'm like, oh my gosh, look at Sophie go. It's incredible. And I want to be able to say yes to people that I know I can have meaningful conversations with. And I knew that obviously uh, you're one of them. Oh, I so appreciate That's it. Great. Just before your, for your, before your yeah. headphones die, can you tell us what's coming up like this year work-wise? Um, like what's exciting you and also like something that you're trying to bring more into your life uh, that's not so much to do with the workspace. Yeah. So, I mean, so this year, obviously it's changed for everybody. I, I as I said, I start filming season two, thank goodness, uh, in April that will keep me busy until June, June, July. Thank goodness. Um, <clears throat> so a little bit more t- and a little bit more TV is on the cards. I can't say other things, but there's other things that are happening as far as in, in the TV presenting world, which I'm really excited about and I'll be able to share at some point. Um, but right now I'm focused on season two. Uh, obviously, I'm you know uh, growing my, like you, like many yoga teachers out there, same thing, growing my online community and my offering and making sure I'm offering what I want to offer and what my, my students want as well, not... Uh, and, um, and I think for me, it's, you know, listen, my kids are getting older. So I think this pandemic has, you know, made me realize as many, many of us, uh, done is for me, family is so, you know, it's my everything. It's always been my everything, but I've really seen it now for probably more, in a different way than ever before, that time is precious. Uh, my family is the most precious thing. They're getting older, and I want to be able to savor every single second with them. So uh, I think for me, that's the the important thing. Um, and yeah, and then of course, running, you know, I live, I live where my job is. So I run, you know, we don't have to touch it, but it, we're, we're bringing Mapperton, that's the name of this historic house, uh, into the 21st century, doing lots of fun projects as far as TV projects here, uh, creating our own sort of what we're calling Mapperton Live. So we know that we won't be able to have visitors here for a while. So we're creating uh, our own studio here uh, in a sense that we can bring the history of the Sandwich family to anybody in the world. Um, so it's called Mapperton Live. That has been a massive project. I haven't even announced any of that on, on Instagram or anything like that, but behind the scenes uh, working on that. And I, yeah, I'm constantly working. I'm d- doing some more online teacher training courses. Everything I do is through my on-demand platform called Teachable. So I have a lot of eggs in the basket 
but I like having a lot of eggs in the basket, whether it's TV presenting, doing stuff at Mapperton here, this historic house, and whether it's creating more online courses. I, I, like, I like to be busy, but family's the most important. I love it. Thank you so much, Julie, for, for chatting to me. Thank you, Sophie, for having me. This has been a real treat, a real treat. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspirational tips, please head to www.sophiedeer.com and sign up for my weekly wellness letter. 